Right, are you recording now? Yeah. Okay, press record. I think it's fair to say that 2020 has made us all feel, at times, like we were living in one big confusing show. I don't really even, I don't even know what to say about everything that happened. It's just like, it was, it was like a comedy, you know, really, really bad comedy. <laughs> like I feel like I'm waiting to watch like the next episode of some TV on net, uh, TV show on Netflix at this point. I don't know, I feel like 2020 is just, it's just the year that keeps on giving, even though nobody asked us to. Sitcom voiceover, like, and that's when shit got real, you know? <laughs> like, it went crazy, but... Like, you can't make this up. It's like Disney Channel. Yeah. <laughs> it literally is like Disney Channel. The year's still not over. It's felt like the longest year, but what a way to kick off the decade, right? I feel like 2020 was a movie. For the past six weeks, we've often referred to 2020 as some sort of absurd and bewildering show. We've described it as a sitcom with no laughing track, as if our misfortune is the butt of the joke, or horror, plagued by apocalyptic doom. We've imagined a rogue director at the helm of a nonsensical narrative, creating twist after twist for the sake of cosmic amusement, and we've treated each other as characters, pawns of this never-ending anarchy. Like episodic arcs in a TV show, or chapters in a book, 2020 seemed to constantly enthrall and surprise us, even up until its final moments. And now, we find ourselves here, somehow at the end of it all, yet with no real end in sight. Brought to you by Beaver Sound, I'm Luis. And I'm Judah, and you're listening to We Know The End. Chapter 6 Wait, wait, what What did you say? Uh, did it cut off? Yeah, yeah, what What did you just say? I, no, I was just, I was just saying how in the first episode... The first conversation we had was mm-hmm. about Station Eleven and how, like, that book that about like this post-apocalyptic world where everyone dies because mm-hmm. of a swine flu-like pandemic, and how we were just like making comparisons to it. To yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually think, if I've if I'm correct, I think like to it to this day, like two weeks from now, is the day where I go into a room and I'm like, oh my goodness, have you heard about this virus? And I compare it to the book, but like a year ago, mm. like, almost down to the day. Yeah, and it's just like part of me, I, I I wish I could go back to that moment just because of the simplicity of it mm-hmm. and just that like back then things still seemed impossible, mm. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, like it, like that's one of the last moments where we could still think of things being normal and things being like, no, that will never happen. Yeah, I mean, and like, I mean, because like at the end of the day, like this was the year that gave us murder hornets and... <laughs> the like resurgence of anonymous and but also like randomly prince harry and megan left and like it's just i think 
w- one of the things 2020 has taught me is that just because somebody tells you that something is going to happen, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be surprised when it does happen. Because mm-hmm. even us back back then in that Station Eleven moment, when we were, you know, half jokingly saying, oh my God, this is the end of the world, but also like half taking it seriously, I don't think anything could have prepared us for what that meant. Yeah. For what like the end meant. Mm. And it's like, like, do you even recognize <laughs> that version of yourself from those station 11 days mm-hmm. i mean like a part of me like wants to say like no oh my goodness like oh i was so naive and like i could have never imagined what's coming up and that like i've learned so much this year and like oh like 2020 has been so awful but then at the same time like every time i see like a new update in that weird monolith story like the first thing i think of is arrival <laughs> and i'm like do i have to start learning <laughs> do i have to start learning a circular alien language so i guess i'm exactly the same we're still up to our old tricks. I'm so embarrassed. Perhaps things would be easier if we could forever live in a version of this year that renders it an unfurling narrative we found ourselves innocently dragged along by. Perhaps, in order to cope, we reduce its meaning to some form of entertainment or to a meme. But in trying to make some kind of sense of it all, it's clear that 2020 isn't some tragedy of a show. It isn't just a series of random and dreadful plot lines. In fact, there's very little that's random about 2020. Sure, every once in a while there's something like the sudden appearance of mysterious monoliths found around the world, the beginnings of what looks like an alien invasion. But for the most part, this year has been defined by consequences. Not the consequences of a series of made-up plot lines, but the consequences of our actions. The consequences of our history, of decisions made by people who only know how to abuse their power, of racism left to fester and spread its roots into everything, of a capitalist culture left entirely unchecked. 2020 is what happens when all of these issues occur, all at once, all the time, and not by some cosmic coincidence, but by our choices, and the choices of those who came before us. I feel like, so 2020, it's a shit year. No one's had a good time. It's important to remember that, that yeah, it's just, been, it's just been terrible for a lot of people. But I think that we shouldn't, we shouldn't treat it as like, wow, 2020, that was a bad year. I think it's important to, to hold people accountable and hold, hold like, um, the things that have happened accountable for, like, for making it a bad year. You know, like coronavirus, that that has a cause and there are people that exacerbated that crisis i think that you know we watched as like there were some world leaders like jacinda arden new zealand being like a really good example who handled it really really well and they're going to come out of it relatively okay and obviously the uk is probably one of the hardest hit countries in the world we're doing absolutely terribly no one's having a good time um and i think that it's important to rather than just going 2020 bad year it's important to go here's why here's why it's a bad year it's not just it's not just bad luck it's people that we voted into office that are doing a bad job whether that's through incompetence or like you know um willful ignorance like i i don't know (laughs) but either way they're not doing they're not doing a good job and so we found ourselves saturated by absurdity and bad choices Things reached a point where we could no longer react or distinguish new information from old information. 
but our desensitization, our inability to keep up with this constant influx of chaos, doesn't make an individual event any less tragic, even if 2020 has numbed our response. Since it feels like a lifetime ago, it's easy to forget that this year began in flames. Honestly, I feel like it was the Australian bushfires though. Like, and I mean, the these um, horrible fires that are happening on the west coast of um, America at the moment as well. Like these are, like in, uh, in Australia, like catastrophic, like decimated the koala population, like million, like thousands and thousands of people displaced. Any other year, that would have been the number one story. And at the time it felt like it was gonna be, right? Um, but now it's just like, Australia who you know um you know so many people are still entirely displaced by that um you know and wildlife populations are still like very terribly um damaged by it but now it it really feels like a footnote you know like a footnote in 2020. Back in January Australia had declared three states of emergency as it struggled to control the rampaging bushfires that killed over three billion animals. A country set ablaze a seemingly perfect setting for a potential end. Dylan shares what it was like to watch this as his country dealt with the burning consequences of climate change. Australia has probably like got to have, I think, one of the most adept firefighting forces like in the world. Like, we have to deal with these fires so often and such extreme frequent, like extreme fires. You know, the fact that these fires took over like nearly half the country should tell you how incredibly extreme these fires were for Australia. And so that is like very much, I think, on Australians' mind as the new, like as the year is coming to an end, because obviously around this time is when the fires were beginning and when they were the most like dramatic. Um, I remember talking to my parents like last year and, um, you know, hearing about the fires and being very concerned because I live in a part of Sydney that's very covered by bushland. So very susceptible to bushfires. And yeah, for like a couple of days, my parents were essentially like locked down in the house to be on standby in case anything was happening. But this was like a huge moment where like everyone was just shitting on the prime minister. Like Scott Morrison did just a terrible job. Uh, you know, the comments that he made during the bushfire were like incredibly ill-advised. And clearly this was a case of mismanagement. And I mean, Scott Morrison is like one of the biggest climate deniers in his party, who's now prime minister. To be in charge of this bushfire, to still not acknowledge climate change's role is really ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, in terms of like actually what was happening when it was in Australia, I mean, it was definitely strange. Most days there was like a noticeable smell of burning bush in the air. There's obviously like, you know, uh, smoke uh, affecting things. On some days it was so extreme that I couldn't even like properly see your houses across the other side of the road. Um, and the sun was like a constant, like glowing orange red orb, really. There's been like a war on Australia's environment, like honestly since colonization, but it feels like it's accelerated in recent years because the government is just openly denies climate science. It, like we've got like the second or third highest per capita carbon consumption in the world. I mean, most of the electricity is run from um, non-renewable sources. Australia has already been like routinely criticized for like bleaching and destroying the, the most important coral reef system in the world. Um, and the thing is, Australia is a hugely important country for nature. Like no, no other country in the world has the natural environment that Australia does. It doesn't have the plants, the animals, anything. So like if Australia's environment is destroyed, it's not just a national loss, it's an international 
tragedy because like you're never going to find that again. Despite climate change being one of our most pressing issues today, we saw it being sidelined this year. When we asked Charlotte about the dismissal of this issue, this is what she shared with us. Climate change is a really tricky one because it's not like coronavirus where, um, you know, at this point, I, everyone knows someone who's had coronavirus. So it, it's very real, it's very current and it affects you directly. Um, a lot of people view climate change as something far away that isn't going to affect them. And they're not, when someone comes to them and tell them, tells them that it is, or they read a scary article, it can be very easy to just go, no, I don't want to look at that. And I, and I think the way that, um, the way that um, our society is kind of being run and the way that we're going about things, I think it's no surprise that a lot of people are just kind of switched off from it and don't think it's very important. And um, because it rarely gets the airtime that it deserves until our political leaders properly start treating it like the emergency that it is. I don't think that, um, I don't think, I don't know. It's it's hard to be optimistic until that happens really. But I also think, I also think that the way that we've handled COVID is a perfect example of like what we could do with the climate emergency. If we put our minds to it, I'm not saying that we should all like lock ourselves inside our homes and like never drive a car again, but like, I'm saying that like we managed to radically change our society within a moment's notice. You know, he put a lockdown in effective from midnight that night, I think. And we just did it because we had to, because that there was no other option. And that was the safest thing to do. Um, if we took that approach with, with the climate emergency, like who knows what we could actually achieve every, every year. I'm hoping that, that they take it more seriously. And I think every year, like it does ramp up a bit. The end of 2020 is here. We're on the brink of a new year, the continuation of this new decade. And although we would love to be able to say that all the madness is behind us, that COVID, climate change, police brutality, Trumpism are all things of the past, it's clear that this isn't the case. When we were recording our first episode, the first news of the vaccine had just broken. We likened it to shreds of hope. Almost two months later, Things look a bit more complicated, with 30 million more cases since then, a new and more infectious strain, tier 4 restrictions throughout the UK, and deaths continually on the rise. But now that we've survived all this turmoil and insanity, now that we've protested, grieved, voted, adapted, and fought, we've reached a point where we know the end. When looking back at all of it, maybe there are things that we wish we knew, or could have told ourselves. And although we'll never know whether it would have made any kind of difference, maybe what we might have said might have sounded something like this. I would say to myself, you think this is going to be the best year of your life um, and you're about to go to the shards. So you think you're going to start on a high and finish on a high, but it's probably going to be the worst year of everyone's life. Uh, because not only will you lose people, you'll probably lose yourself. And that might sound scary, but if anything, losing yourself might be a good thing. We've listened to Isabella, 
who remembers wondering where planes were going during lockdown and changing her name in honor of her best friend. Um, and just make sure you are around your family as much as as much as you want to be. Like, don't underestimate other people, but like, don't overestimate people in power. I think is probably the main thing. And Dylan, who watched his neighbors like a scene from Rear Window. I th I think definitely like the main thing is that he's got no faith in like people in any kind of position of power to do the right thing. Really, I would tell her to start getting fit because. Dark times are coming. <laughs> We've listened to Philippa, stranded for 90 days with two weeks worth of clothes. Not stress about the future because your future would be stopped. Oh man, my past self at the beginning of 2020. Oh shit, okay. Adoma, in an empty airport after a cancelled research trip in South Africa. Hug your friends tighter and don't waste your time with certain people, but also hug your friends tighter. <laughs> I'll just say, expect the unexpected, and... For Susan, it's her family barbecues in the back garden. My advice is, stay optimistic. It will get better, even when it seems like it won't. And Shemi remembers painting her house and watching forgotten movies. Just take care of yourself, I think. Grace was on her little island in the middle of the countryside. I guess, take it easy. And Mayen like a koi fish in the nested sea. Honestly, you should dissociate more. Lucy, wondering if this was the end of the world in the media office. Um, but I would say, like, if you if you feel shit, just let yourself feel shit. Like, And Ellie, on her daily quests to pick up her grandfather's newspapers. I already have one. I think the only thing is you should have left school earlier, really. Alia remembers walking for hours finding refuge. Okay, I'd probably say calm down. And Charlotte discovered forests hidden in the middle of a frying pan. Don't try and control things that are outside of your control. Alice thinks of family and connecting with her sister. It's going to be crazy, um, but try not to live in fear, basically. And Toby, navigating the new era of film in a world near unrecognizable. For the last six weeks, we've listened to these 14 people share with us their stories, their reactions and feelings towards some of the events of this year. They fell with us through time and share their highs and lows, their lockdown pastimes, their Netflix recommendations and near forgotten memories. However, many of our interviewees, gathered from different walks of our life, don't know each other. To each other, they're strangers, random blank faces in the midst of seven billion others. Yet somehow, their lives have been interwoven, their experiences parallel to each other. Throughout these chapters, they've completed each other's sentences, encountered one another's sentiments, and walked almost identical steps. For the last and final parts of 2020, I've spent a significant amount of time trying to remember it. Somehow, my best friend, now fellow co-host, convinced me that amidst the chaos, we would find our steps. Steps that were worth retracing. I was convinced to look back at this year in an attempt to connect the wildness and absurdity of it all. And although 2020 may not be a story in and of itself, there's no denying that these are ours. 
So we take them into 2021, a year that already looks like absurdity isn't that far behind, in search of, well, anything. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been We Know the End. We Know the End is presented, produced, and edited by us and brought to you by Beaver Sound. Outro music by Vagar Dreyer and logo designed by Ellie Reeves. Music contributions from Free Music Archive featuring Blue Dot Sessions licensed under Creative Commons. A special thanks to Adomo Ado, Alice Norga, Alia Mormon, Charlotte Lynch, Dylan Stevens, Ellie Reeves, Felipe Campos Ferreira, Grace Chapman, Isabella Abbott, Lucy Knight, Mayen Chow, Shemilore Alujimi, Susan Odele, and Toby Abraham Silas for sharing their lovely stories.